Welcome to Working Dog Radio, broadcasting the bite. Ray Allen Canine. It's no secret that we love Ray Allen Canine equipment. We use their products every single day at both Van Ness Canine and at Torchlight. Their mission statement says it all to be the world leader in quality innovation for professional canine equipment for police, military, Schutzen, and ring sport. Tend to exceed their customers' expectations and deliver on time every time at a fair price. We full heartedly believe that they've held true to that since it is our go to one stop shop for everything canine, not just police dogs, but for any working dog. This episode is also brought to you by our good friends over at Dogtra, dogtra.com. It's the e collars that Ted and I use. It's e collars most police dog guys use. Dogtra.com, e collars, bark collars, ball launchers, one stop shop for everything you need for your working dog, dogtra.com. One of the other sponsors we're proud to have is Hits Canine Training Conference. It's the premier Amer- it's the premier canine training seminar in the United States, packed in the room with the world's best instructors covering important topics from admins to liability to detection work, all and tracking and everything in between. There's no better place to learn and no better place to network with other handlers, breeders, and trainers. Hits 2022 is being held in Orlando in August. Uh, so hit them up, hitscanine.net. We're super happy to be uh, represented by our good friends at Kinetic Dog Food. Uh, we've got great reviews from people all over the place. Uh, ever since we, we joined up with them and partnered with them, their uh, commitment to your dog's nutrition is top-notch. KineticDogFood.com. Check them out. Jim over at NC Canine out in North Carolina. It's the culmination of 13 years of experience in handling the training uh, law enforcement canines. They use real-world deployments to develop their training program and rely not only on their experience, but the current experience of the nation's canine handlers provide the best canine partner you can get. They provide pet training and police canine training based out of Four Oaks, North Carolina, and they serve the surrounding areas as well as nationally. Feel free to call them and learn more about their dog training program, police canine techniques and methodologies. We got a brand new sponsor, man, American Aluminum Accessories. Uh, my entire time in canine and ever since I've been involved in the dogs, the kennel in the back of our cruisers has always been American aluminum. Uh, check them out. Uh, we're so happy to have them on here. Easyrideronline.com. Easyrideronline.com for everything you need from American aluminum accessories. Speaking of kennels, once you get out of the car, you got to have somewhere to put them. So our friends up in Ohio at Horizon Structures make a one-stop shop for kennel. If you want a two-dog kennel or if you want a 20-dog kennel, they got you covered. They get those things built, and they drop it off at your house. All you got to have is a pad, electricity, and water, and you can put dogs in it that day. Horizon Structures can build you anything from mild to wild, and it is the one-stop shop, and you don't have to swing a single hammer. So hit them up, horizonstructures.com. Everybody, we are back. Working Dog Radio, broadcasting the bite. Coming at you with another great episode. Uh, as always, from Canton, Ohio, I am Eric Stambro. Uh, with me, as usual, from Tulsa, Oklahoma, is Ted Summers. Ted, what is up, buddy? The temp. It's hot. Of course. It's, stu- it's stupid hot. Of course, we're not the only place in the country, except for you. It was 40 degrees here today. Yeah. Uh, no, nah, it's just, I don't know, the heat index is 100. And, I don't know, it doesn't matter. It's just, at, at that point, it's academic. It, it's fucking hot. Police dogs are melting. Pet dogs are melting. Uh, I was uh, before we started recording. I was telling them I've got two doodles that I um, <clears throat> work training that were they're just refusing to work unless I take them to Home Depot or something in the air conditioning. They've been pushing people in their pool, which is a pretty cool trick. Um, the owners don't like it, so they want me to have them stop pushing people in the pool. So we're working soft, on that. No offense, those are some <laughs> soft people. 
getting yeah. pushed oh, in by doodles. Uh, they're say. big. That's a big ass dog. Mm-hmm. I mean, both these motherfuckers were almost like I think one of them's close to 90 pounds. I mean, they're not small. Yeah, those so are... they're uh and I got a handler school starting 28th. Um for a single purpose dog on going out to South Dakota. Uh, right after I get in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. So I think that's one of two times we're going up there this year. So nice. yeah, what about you? Um, I am <clears throat> training up green dogs. I got a dog I'm doing named Jack. I got to get him all the way done. Uh, I have another dog named Johnny who um, <clears throat> is going to be green plus. And for those of you who don't know, green plus for me is started in everything, tracking, imprinted on odor, um, decent on the suit introduced to the e-collar i pretty much have them off leash at that point it doesn't take me very long um and i only charged an extra thousand dollars from green for that it's actually a pretty good deal um and what the reason i started doing that is i had green dogs in my kennel <clears throat> excuse me and they don't i don't have them very long but i added a couple dogs and it's like well you just can't sit here i gotta do something right and i started training the dogs working with them working with them and then the department didn't want to buy they didn't want to pay green dog or excuse me, finished dog price. I was like, well, he's not green. So let me come up with something else. And they, as soon as I said green plus an extra grant, they jumped on it. And it's a smart move for them. I, it's a lot of work done, like imprinted on the odors, not on hides, but on boxes. And it's, it's really designed for somebody that has a trainer that wants to just finish the dog, get it, do their certification stuff and kind of get moving and can start like right away. And, and just, trying to bang it out in like five, six weeks. Um, so it works pretty well. I have a couple labs I got to do. Um, the one lab is going to be explosive dog at the local airport. And his, the deputy came down to see her today for the first time. And uh, she's on the seven odors for Ohio. Yesterday, we started the seventh odor. So today he came down, it's his third dog. And uh, she, she showed real well. She killed it. Uh, she did, did really good. I was sending him videos because I couldn't really just grasp it because there's a little bit different um she's more of a food reward dog versus a toy um mm-hmm. she likes to play with a toy but she'll hunt like crazy for her food and we've talked about this in other podcasts i don't do food reward like other people do i feed the dogs out of bowls right um but these are food whores they will work for food and i'm not mm-hmm. you know I, I don't starve them at all uh in the morning i may give them half their food if i know i'm going to work a bunch but um, she did real good, so that's going on. Um, the pet business is busy. Um, I did. Uh, I did. <laughs> so real quick on that end, we at the facility that we have, we offer day training, which is basically summer camp, drop off and pick up for two weeks. And all the trainers are doing board and trains. We offer lessons, and I don't like them at all. Hate them, as a matter of fact. I don't think they're very good. Lessons don't. They require the owner to do a ton of work. And um, I just don't think they're that effective, but they're a very cheap alternative for folks and it gets money in the building. So we have this older couple They're I'm going to say 80 and they have a, a reactive scared to death German shepherd. And she, she has a little bit going on and he doesn't give a shit. He doesn't listen. So like they've come back three times with the e-collar and they're like, we, we don't know how to turn it on. And he says, she can't remember. And I don't listen. Mm-hmm. So we're just doing what 
what we call tone avoidance with them is just teaching manners in the house by using tone and stim to keep the dog from getting into stuff and reacting at the windows. That's really it. They're not walking the dog. They're just, there's a lot of things they're not doing. So <clears throat> I really didn't like them and the people, and I hate to say it as mean, but they talk nonstop and they interrupt you and they talk about their old dogs and everything's a comparison. So I stepped in on lesson three I was just walking through and I go, listen, stop, stop it. Nobody gives a shit about your old dog. Uh, they died 10 years ago. Right. And uh, they were like this. So the, uh, the trainer was doing the lesson. was like, yeah, this is yours from here on out. This last, these, this couple, the, uh, I so I did the real quick. I did their last lesson at home today. Right. I kind of liked them actually. So bad when I was I got, done. I, got I just, at for the, the same the, thing. It's crazy. Yeah, I know. I remember. It, she's like, you can't talk to people like you talk to police officers. I told some woman that her dog would eat her if she died in, in the house. <laughs> like, he doesn't love you. If you die in the house and nobody finds you for two weeks, he'll eat you. And she looked at me and Alicia's like, you can't fucking say that. I might that. use that. I'm not going to lie. It's true. That's true, that. though. I mean, if he doesn't, I mean, what? I mean, Dude, you he, could use that for a handler. The, the thing that I say that shit all the time. Them. I tell handlers that all the time. Like during Amoeba, I'm like, your handler, your dog doesn't love you. He doesn't. He won't work for whoever's holding the leash. No, I'm like, yeah. He licks me in the mouth. Well, you will. Right? No, just, just so. So, anyway. what do we got going on today? So we, um, you were out in Blue Line, yeah. at the conference. I was home sick for, with COVID, and uh, I asked you, messaged you, hey, did you go to any classes? And um, you said, yeah, I actually a couple things. One of the ones I sat in was a. Um, supervisory class canine supervisor class put on by a couple guys from uh california and so i said well we should probably get that on because i don't know that we've done this episode an episode we've touched on it we've talked to folks i think when normally when we bring up admins it makes the vein on your forehead pop out so yeah, I, I like this <laughs> yeah. if you watch me on youtube it, you'll see my face i i I'm <clears throat> super critical about police supervision. Um, here's the, here's a, a big issue. And I, I talk about this a lot right now. Lots of leaders of police departments were hired in 92, 93, 94, 89, 90. They're horrible. And what they do is their management style is paybacks, grudges, shit that they've been wanting to get, get to do that they never got to do. But the big thing is they try to run the police department for profit and everything is about like money, money. <laughs> like it's their money, like overtime is their money. It's it's dude, it's systematic throughout police work in the entire United States until we get rid of those guys, those 92, 93 guys. And they teach the idiots behind them. And they're all of a sudden those guys will say things. Well, where'd you get that? I don't know. It's just a thing. It's always been true. Like the guy, the supervisor who called and told me that is wanted a bid from me for a, a dog. And he said, it has to be a shepherd. I said, why? And he goes, cause it's a first time handler. And I said, what does that have to do anything? And he Bam. said, you a first time handler can't handle a mal." I said, where did you hear that? And he, or what's your basis for this? And he said, it's just a fact. And I said, go ahead and take me off your list. I'm not going to bid your, your dog. I said, you're going to be a problem. I could see it already. And before we hung up, I go, when were you hired? 90, 1993. Why does that matter? I go, gotcha. 
it's a data point it's a data point that's why so anyways (laughs) but in this situation the guys we're going to talk to are it's a different situation where they're sergeants at their units but their dog handlers came up through the through the life right big difference some guys that do that when they they're sergeants and they're good and they get the lieutenant and then that they do that lobotomy and they pull their brain out the part that remembers where they came from that that part gets pulled out of there but um usually the sergeant while they're working the dog they're going to advocate for the guys and the unit and they can put out fires and you know they it's a it's a different relationship but as we've talked about and we'll really get into it with the guys is a lot of times it's just next up. They throw in any swing and dick to, to lead the unit. And they think because they put on the, the, uh, the Lieutenant spars, that means they can supervise anything. And canines are different. It's, it's not you're even, even though they're on patrol, it's not the same. There's, it's, there's a whole different thing that goes along with it. So um, you sat through the class. What did you think of it? Um, you know, I said through the first part of it and, and it was great. It was presented in a way from what the part that I saw, um, for admins and for, cause there was a lot of people in the class and there was a lot of guys there, um, that were not admins. So I have to assume, and I hope that they were taking the information back, mm-hmm. um, that whoever's above them listens. Um, I did run into some guys there that came up to me that were in leadership positions of, in fact, like, um, the dog we just sold to, uh, Colorado Longmont, uh, Billy is a sergeant. Uh, and his lieutenant Tim uh, was there as well. Uh, and Tim it was a handler and handled a nice dog and um, understands a lot of things. So, but that Longmont's a very well-run unit, and I have to kind of assume that it's because you know Tim grew up in the came up and handling a dog, and then they've got a, a sergeant that's running the same way. I mean, it's kind of like TPD here, like TPD. Uh, I think Ryan's a lieutenant now, the, the guy that runs the unit, um, like that's his job. Like he runs the, he's the, that's his only job is running the unit. He doesn't run a dog anymore. And he's a fantastic canine handler. He's a fantastic trainer. Um, he ran like 70 dogs or something. He's been a canine guy for 20 something years. Uh, great guy. TPD is a great, super well-run unit, super well-supported everybody from the top down, like, you know, is great, but you know I mean? So I don't think anybody wants to hear about the great shit though, even though we have to talk about it, like give an example, but we, we also need to learn from what not to do. So I think we have plenty of, <laughs> Eric, you can, you can fill us in on what not to do. I have some fucking terrible stories too, but so anyway, um, we'll, let's get into who we've got tonight. We've got uh, Marty Mahone and we've got Chris uh, Devin from uh, Triton Canine Consulting out in NorCal. So guys, what's up? Uh, what's going on? I'm glad you're here. Um, when I had sat through your class, I was like, oh, fuck, we need to have these guys on because we haven't done this. And more so just um, I think, you know, there's um, a couple of other people that do a similar thing to this um, that do a really good job. You know, like Bill Lewis does a great job and um, Bob Eden does a great job. Like there's a lot of guys that do a good job. Michael Kamisic, he was at the line. He does a great job. He does one of these two. And Kamisic is, you know, the legal beagle dude him and Ted Dawes, but, um, you know, I think you guys have a little bit different perspective in terms of time. Um, you're much fresher with current stuff than I think. So not to knock bill because I've tried to get bill on before and like sending him emails is just not, 
<laughs> so, you know, and, and um, I've talked to him before and he's a super nice guy. Bob, you know, Bob is a great guy. And, but, you know, I think there's some fundamental changes in terms of culture that has shifted in the United States. And I think you guys are a little closer to that um, and a little closer to what's going to be happening in the next generation of like handlers that come through moving forward. So that was kind of the internal discussion on our end. So other than that, like, let's uh, talk a little bit about um, how you guys got started in canine and uh, then we will go from there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm Marty Mion. I'm a police sergeant with the South San Francisco Police Department. We are not San Francisco PD and we're actually in a different county and a much smaller agency, about 80 sworn. Um, and it's sort of cool because we run six dogs right now. We were at one point running seven dogs. So pretty big unit for our size. One of the biggest one in the county right now. Um, so it's cool. Um, I got in canine right after I got probation. I got luckily and took the test and got in um, at, I think that was 2000. And um, it was interesting. At that time we were getting donated dogs. Our trainer, who's a lieutenant, he got donated dogs. We got good dogs. We got bad dogs. Um, I got one in between, you know, he was soft in patrol, but we put detection on him and he was a big shepherd and he was, he just loved detection. So that was like, dude, let's run him on detection once we can. Um, which ended up being a good thing for me because I ended up starting working most of my career with DEA at a federal task force. So um, worked with DEA on and off for about 12 years. Um, they ended up getting my second dog, Dugan, a Belgian Malinois. Um, they bought for me, which I made a dual purpose dog. So did a lot of interdiction with that dog. Um, and then got promoted, went back as a sergeant. And after like two months driving around a patrol car at midnight, I wanted to eat my gun. And I figured like, I want to go back to DEA life, just, you know, plain clothes and take home car. Um, so weird things worked out. And I went back two years later, um, worked at different task force throughout the Bay Area. Um, and they bought my third dog, Diesel. So I got that one was a little more stronger dog in patrol, but a good detection dog. Um, and that time when I was with them, I ended up working with U.S. Marshals on their future apprehension team. So got a lot of experience at the federal level working with, you know, ATF, DEA and U.S. Postal Police and Marshals. So it was a fun experience. Sorry, I had to mute that, unmute it. Our guys that do stuff with the uh, Marshals Task Force get uh, almost every week get a bite. Did you, was it like that in your area out there? Yeah, it's a, we don't get as many, you know, but there's a lot of opportunity out here, especially working with them and how they go after and find these fugitives, you know? No, it's nuts. Yeah. You know, yeah. you got a phone, you are fucked. If you had a phone, you are <laughs> yeah. fucked. Nothing yeah, got you. <laughs> nothing like fed money, man. And then mm. boys will find you. They will find you, find you. That was always a trick too. Like our guys that work on the thing or work on those task force, the marshals are like, you need to find him or find him, find him. And you're like, oh, the handler's like, oh, he's going to find him, find him. Like, we're going to find him. Like, if, like, if we send the dog in, he's going to find him, find him. They're like, that's yeah. fine. Go ahead. Get him. <laughs> you don't yeah. need to make announcements. Fuck you. <laughs> so, <laughs> Chris, what about you? Uh, yeah, Chris Devin, also South City PD. Um, been about 17 years. Started in 04. Um, similar to Marty, right off probation. About as soon as I could, about three years in, took a canine test. Um, my first <laughs> dog, uh, Olympia, female. Uh, Malinois, she was one of our last donated dogs. She actually came, she was a bailout of Black Air Force training mm -hmm. uh, ball drive. So another handler worked her for <clears throat> about three years. He promoted, um, ended up getting her, um, her detection work wasn't that great, which is why she got booted from Lackland, but uh, spent a lot of time working that, built that up. She ended up being a great detection dog. 
um, retired her. And at the time, um, we were a one and done. Um, and Marty uh, kind of started to set the precedent, um, getting promoted to corporal, bringing the dog back, going to DEA, came back, got promoted to sergeant, was able to keep the dog. So angled that a little bit. And then also uh, being on our SWAT team, I wanted to start our uh, SWAT canine program. Um, so I was fortunate enough to get a second dog, uh, Blitz, uh, Mal Mix, uh, worked him for about six or seven years, uh, integrated him on the SWAT team. We didn't have uh, any integration uh, when I started. Got to start that with him. And then now we have, uh, I believe, three dogs integrated to the team. Um, unfortunately, couldn't keep the, it going as a sar or when I promoted a sergeant uh, earlier in November. Um, had to give him up, retire him. He was getting close. He was like eight, nine years anyway. Um, but got promoted to sergeant, working graveyard, and um, got to work with Marty as one of the supervisors for the unit right now. Nice. So I want to talk about the donated dog thing. Um, <clears throat> what a lot of folks don't know, and, and our our definition of it at my department might be different than yours. We definitely didn't get no dog from Lackland. Um, ours was one day drinking from a hubcap, and the next day was in our fucking canine school. And so uh, before, when I got on, they would only take the, the chief at the time, old, old dude, um, only would take donated dogs, not spend a dime on dogs. Right. Um, so they got some good ones. They failed a lot of dogs and went through a lot of dogs from what I'm told. I came on the police department, all donated dogs to the guy, the ones we had were good, heard horror stories about the ones they had, some of the ones in the past, a lot of just fearful, nasty face biter type weird shit dogs um never donated from like a kennel or anything it was from somebody's backyard and then they started buying dogs um right before i got in bought a couple dogs um and then we we bought our so and but it's still in their brain to get free dogs right so my second dog willie so willie worked with another handler he had about 50 street bites with that handler he became the union president had to go i i dumped my first dog who had 60 plus failures to engage in three years um it was like i was going to get killed from it so i take willie and willie and i in the next three years have about 75 bites we were killing it they made me retire willie early he still had two, three years left him because they had a free dog. Someone wanted to give us. So my first class as the head trainer, I had to get rid of Willie and he still, he was good. He was only, he was eight years old at the time. Uh, he lived five or six more years, but two of those, he could have worked two of those years easily. And uh, so they gave me this dog Zeus who, because he was free and um, I had him, but from the time I got him, went through training and hit the road after one year, like shit canned him out. He was fucking garbage. Yeah. And I'm like, you made me get rid of one of the best dogs because you had a freebie and you were paying kenneling fees from it and you didn't want to. Um, so uh, do you have something? Are you guys getting them from donated? Were you getting them from private people or a little bit of everything or all like Lackland and military? Yeah, back in the day, we were getting, it was just from backyards, people couldn't handle them, and either, like, they were too much, I think the most I got hit was we were getting donated dogs. 
you know, they're oh, the fear biters or they weren't, they couldn't do the job. And now, now we buy them from big kennels, you know, we go to VLK or Houston canine and buy all our dogs. from mm -hmm. them. And that's been, I don't know, a good 15 years, probably. That's good. Yeah. You have to buy them. You, you have to. Yeah. Uh, my comment is always when people donate them and I get it here a lot because um, this part of the country is really weird. And so I'll have a small department call me and say, you know, we want to, we have a donated dog from, I don't know, somebody that has a litter of German shepherds or whatever it is. And they're like, Oh, he's 12 weeks old. I'm like, oh, I got bad news for you. Um, so, and then there's the whole issue of health and everything else. I'm like, you're going to put all this time and training into this dog. And then you have no guarantee on health. You have no guarantee that the dog's not going to, I can have some crazy health problem at three years old. And I had a chief, I literally had a chief tell me, he's like, well, it doesn't really matter. The dog's free. I'm like, yeah, the training's not, you're going to give me $15,000 to train this dog and or however much it is. And then what he's going to work for 18 months and die for, you're going to have to retire from hip dysplasia. And I was like, or you spend X amount of money and you get a health guarantee from a vendor, whether it's me or whoever it is. And you know, you have some reasonable amount of guarantee because your insurance is not going to cover that. They're not going to buy you a new dog for reti early retirement. I mean, they're just not. And, you know, he, they kind of were like, oh, so admins look at like, and we're going to talk about this, Eric. For profit. Right. Like it's like, and I say this a lot and I've said it before, dogs are not Glocks, right? I don't care. Like if you buy a G19 from wherever, it's always a G19. You can buy it from any vendor. You put out a bid, you get 40 bids. And whatever the price is the lowest, if you buy a G19 from them, it's a G19. I don't care, right? It's the same thing. Dogs aren't that way. And admins are like, yeah. <laughs> They're like, why is this guy so much more expensive? So, you know, some of that is education. So, um, and you both um, are selectors for your agency as well as other agencies, right? Yes. So talk a little bit about how, because, you know, you guys are in a unique position. You handled, you went straight out of your, like, you went, like as baby cops and then they give you a dog, which is like everybody's dream, I think, that wants to be in canine. Um, and so you've gotten to a position where you also help select. So senior um, grass from other neighboring agencies come to you to help select. Um, what is kind of like the outcome of that? Like getting away from like free dogs or like Eric said, drinking out of hubcaps. Like how, how was that affected and what does that affect long-term? Like if you're listening to this and you're in that position, and you have a neighboring department like where they're at, South San Francisco, that has a really good canine unit, go talk to them and say, hey, can't we go find a dog? So talk a little bit about that process. Yeah, I mean, it's the biggest thing you talk about the health thing, you know, you never know what these dogs are going to get. And, and you can, I, the warranties are the biggest thing. You know, I've returned a handful of dogs, you know, either performance or, you know, they decided they didn't want to be a police dog anymore or just their health issues, you know, and all the vendors we've been dealing with were really good. Just bring them back. We'll give you a new one, you know? And then now, I mean, you got to go through the training again, but it's, it's going to save you, you know? Um, we recently had a dog. We had to, we actually failed out of our agency that um, had three failures. We were past our warranty. And, um, and we went to our chief and he wasn't happy at first. He's like, what? I want to kick the handle off. I'm like, no, it's, it's not his fault. We did everything we could. We tried to remediate. It, it never worked. Um, and he agreed, hey, let's get him another dog, you know? And, we got another dog at the end of the day because mm -hmm. he deserved it. You know, it wasn't his fault. It was the dog's fault at the end of the day. He just didn't want to be a police dog anymore. And we're also lucky our current chief is a, was, an, was a handler as well. So. Nice. Yes. So, yeah. And, and we got we got lucky. Um, we went away from buying dogs uh, when Marty got into the DEA because they were doing um, asset forfeiture. 
and we were able to buy the dogs through uh, that asset mm -hmm. fund. So that was a huge catalyst to get away from that. And then our, you know, back when Marty first got on, we were getting it, the, the donated dogs. We had a, a lieutenant at the time who was doing all the internal training, kind of passed that stuff down to Marty. And then we, he was going out selecting dogs. And the way we do it, um, if we go out and select a dog, we pretty much bring the whole unit with us. I mean, you know, they come mm -hmm. out, want to do it, they enjoy it. So they get to see us doing all the tests and they're learning while we're, you know, testing. So I learned a ton from watching Marty um, when I was a new handler, watching him test dogs, going out every other dog that we got after me, I would go on the trip as well. And he'd be like, all right, you're handling all these dogs. Um, get them out of the kennel, bring them up. We're doing this test, this test, this test. This is what we're looking for. And then all these younger guys get to see that too. Um, so, you know, succession planning as well. Um, and it, it's been huge for me because I've so much just being able to go and, and watch um, and handle these dogs. What a novel concept, training the people coming up behind you, not acting like it's some fucking secret information that's going to take your job from you. I had, I think I've told this story before where I uh, had a, a, somebody in a very senior position that was one of our old handlers show up with another senior person with a new handler. Um, and the senior position person was like, Hey, you know, which dog is ours? And I was like, Hey, he's right there. So the other guy looks at this handler and says, what, you know, like what, uh, and me and this other person had had these conversations before. And because I know he knows exactly what, I know what he wants. And like he, so it wasn't an issue of selection, but they turned to this handler and they're like, oh, what do you think? He's like, nobody. And that this senior person was like, nobody gives a fuck what he thinks. Like, this is your dog. <laughs> so like, that's why it always forced me when they bring handlers and they're like, Oh, which dog do you want? And I'm like, ah, Let's yeah, I've taken a... guys with me that are like, I'm kind of interested in this stuff. You know, when you go select dogs, you know, I'd like to go with you. I'm like, yeah, come on, man. You're not going to get paid. It's on your own time, you know, but uh, they come up and we selected a dog. I had a, a, a young guy with me. He was working his first dog and I brought him up and I said, you're going to decoy in the building search. We were only we narrowed it down to two dogs based off of just hunt and everything. Mal and a shepherd. And he came in and, and the vendor at the time was also teaching him how to catch uh, bicep while we were there. Just give him a quick little class because if he wanted to try it, whatever. And, and he, I was able to then to watch, tell him what I was looking for in the decoy side. And he, he was right. He came to me and says, listen, you need to put the suit on. That shepherd is no good. That Malinois will murder you. And uh, so I put the shepherd, I put the suit on and he was dead right. And um the Mal went on to have a great career. He ended up having seizures and had to get retired, but he would snap your arm in half, even through the suit. And the shepherd was not good. So it was nice having that. And I, do the, I did the same thing at training. Hey, today you're running this scenario. This is what we're looking for. This is what you're watching for. You know, And you know how we do things and go and bring up the guys behind you. Because I always say a guy who tries to hoard information and protect a position within a job that he can't lose. You're not going to get fired from the place. It's very hard, but you might get removed, but he'll, he'll do everything he can to hoard information to keep that position is a dangerous person. Is somebody that, in my opinion, can't be trusted and is, is not in it for the right reasons. Yeah, so for, I like that. For, for years, similar to that, the way we run our, <clears throat> you know, especially the, not, not necessarily the newer handlers, but um, we would go, all right, Marty, this is your month for training. 
find us a location, find us the scenarios, brief us with the scenarios, tell us what you're going to do. Um, a senior handler would, would be there with them, but that, that way they ran the scenario and we would rotate mm -hmm. every month. Each new handler, it would be, or each handler would get a, a month and it's their job to run training. So that I like a, it. That was huge also. You said something earlier um, that you guys changed. So previous to you guys kind of like running the unit, you guys were one and done. So you'd run one dog and then um, your time was up and you're going to go to a new specialty. Um, that has kind of been a thing um, a lot in, in areas, certain areas of the country. It's really prominent. Certain areas it's not, um, you know, like where I'm from um, guys here. I mean, PPD is pretty unique and like you can, like if you want to do, fucking sex crimes or whatever like internet crime they have all kinds of crazy stuff well they have like 1300 people too but um you know they'll you can do your entire career there but because of that they build a massive amount of like longevity into these into these positions and they build a massive amount of experience and education and like that stuff getting passed down to those people um, if anything, I wish the guys that from my home department would do more instruction like across the country because they're all really, really, really good at what they do because they stay there for fucking ever. And I mean, some of the canine guys that here, I mean, they're 20 years and like there's, you know, there's more than a few of them that are like that. So talk about how important because in canine, it's super important. I mean, they think if you handle a dog for seven years that you're done, like, oh, you know, I've learned everything. That is not the case at all so talk about like the impact that that had a little bit and you know how that was kind of played out at the department so it's interesting we're facing that right now we have a senior handler who's going to retire his dog in january and the rest of our new rest of our guys are a year to two years on and don't know anything so we're, we're trying to keep him this guy steve miller great guy knows a lot of stuff we're trying to keep him on because you know how much longer do chris and i can do this you know and we need more experience especially on the street level if we're not there you know and helping them out during deployments, but it's just new handlers. I hate new handlers, but um, it's mm -hmm. just, we want to try to keep on, you know, as much experience and, you know, knowledge out there as we can. So, yeah, it, it hasn't completely changed. Um, you know, they, they still have that <laughs> mentality a little bit. Um, Marty was lucky because he was able to, you know, get into the DEA and still use the dog. And we had a need. I, I made an argument for, for implementing the SWAT, you know, canine program. Um, and also it was, if you got promoted past, um, officer, you know, corporal with a dog, nope, you can't have it. Um, so luckily after that, um, our second, uh, another one of our handlers, who's also on SWAT, um, he promoted a corporal. We were able to do the same thing. He's also on the, on the SWAT team and I wanted to have multiple dogs there. So they allowed that. So we're still, we haven't completely gone from one and done to, you know, to more longevity, but we're, we're, we're fine. <clears throat> Somebody came up with that in the eighties, somebody at your department and then convinced the people behind him that that's the way it should be. And then it just keeps getting barfed back up and no one has an explanation. No one can in everybody in every aspect of law enforcement where they're doing that, you can dispel and shut down their argument in five seconds because they don't know why they know what they do know is someone was in their ear for years, one and done, one and done, one and done. It's, it's a huge problem. Um, at our department, if you get promoted to sergeant, you go. And it's because it's a contractual thing. But you make that decision. If you don't want to get promoted, if you want to stay in canine, don't get promoted. Just stay. I, I, I bypassed several opportunities. At, at Me too. Yeah. I wanted to stay in canine, you know. 
dude, though, <laughs> the thing we talked about with the money, if they would have done that, like when I was a little bit younger, I don't know, man, 34% <laughs> increase was pretty, pretty juicy. But so anyways, we're going to go ahead and take a break. We get back. We're going to get into uh, the business, the, the uh, training, Trident canine consulting. And um, then the class that you guys talked about, we will be uh, right back. We have a long-standing relationship with the guys over at Hits Canine Training Conference. Uh, it's truly America's premier canine seminar. It is the largest. It is the best. Um, they cover every important topic in the canine industry. Hundreds and hundreds of vendors, thousands of canine people there. Everybody you know in this industry is there. Ted and I will be teaching. Hits 2022 is being held in Orlando, Florida, August 16th to the 19th. Also, check out their website, hitscanine.net. They have other classes that they're putting out online, uh, Zoom classes and all kinds of other things. They're offering in-person classes leading up to Hits 2022, Orlando, Florida, August 16th to the 19th. Check it out, hitscanine.net. Everyone knows me, knows that I live on chicken nuggets and Coors Light. So uh, that doesn't mean your dog should, though. Um, our friends at Kinetic um are make it a, a point to fuel working dogs and they know that it can be tough and they need high quality food unlike me to give them energy and the nutrients that they require i just subsist on air and you know course light which but the dogs can't they actually have to work so for that we asked kinetic and kinetic has come up with a great balance of healthy meats and grains and is made specifically for working in sport dogs they have a full line of foods and supplements available and they've been working for, to perfect their line for thousands of dogs and hundreds of departments across the U.S. You can buy it locally online or at Tractor Supply, or you can get it at Chewy. So head over to their website, kineticdogfood.com, 513-615-6904. And get them on the socials at Kinetic Dog Food. So probably the number one product I've ever advertised for or used that set that does what they say is quick turn by vet care. Uh, I have it uh, at my house. I have it at the kennel. I have it at the fun house. I have it at the uh, doggy daycare. I have my trainers have it at their house. It is unbelievable how it works. You guys have all heard Ted and I talk about it, how we've gotten tagged by dogs or dogs do, you know, if you're dealing with working dogs, weird stuff happens, right? Cuts that how the hell that happened bites, scratches, all kinds of things that happen, especially if you're doing anything in the wooded area, they get tore up. Uh, the quick derm by vet care. It is no exaggeration. It is great. So once daily treatment for any skin condition or small wounds to help stop little issues from becoming big ones comes in sprays, ointments, or dressing. Quick derm is great at creating a protective barrier and promoting wound healing. The best thing too is they have a discount code. Get on their website, vetcare.us. That's vetcare.us. Put in the discount code 10WDR in capital letters, 10WDR for 10% off your first order. These next guys uh, have actually been on the show when we instructed at uh, the first uh, Tripwire conference down in Florida. Uh, Jim O'Brien was a guest on the show. Uh, and he runs NCK9, who has now come onto the show as a sponsor. Um, Jim's been around for quite a long time, about 13-ish years, uh, with experience handling and training law enforcement canines. Um, he uses real-world deployments to develop training program and not rely only on their experience, but current experiences from most of their national canine teams and handlers to provide the best canine partner that you guys can, can purchase. They provide pet training and police canine services based out of Four Oaks, North Carolina. 
and they serve the surrounding areas. Feel free to give Jim a call, a text, carrier pigeon, however you want to get a hold of him uh, to, to talk to him about police canine training or pets and techniques and methodologies. So hit him up at 919-438-0141 or J O'Brien. That's J-O-B-R-I-E-N at N-C, letter K number nine dot U-S. Check the show notes. We'll put it there. All right. We are back, everybody. Thank you for sticking through the commercials. If you fast forward through them, which I know most of you did, uh, the bottom of the show notes are all the uh, discount codes. We got some really good sponsors in there, guys. There's, if you're looking for a dog, we got several dog vendors in there, all good people. Um, we Listen, guys, we turn people away on advertising. We don't just take any sponsor. We t- have told a lot of people no. Um, like, for example, the, uh, quick, the quick term that we use, easily the best product we've ever ever talked about i used it today on my finger not on a dog I, on myself i used it on myself it oh, says all the not, time it says not for human consumption but there's somebody no. i know got bit today he's like will it work i'm it's like yeah it's not super glue i mean <laughs> but this shit works good so we do believe in our sponsors we have a great relationship with everybody so be sure to check them out and support them i appreciate it so we are with chris and marty um we talked about kind of their history where they're at both are current Currently working dogs. Marty's on his third dog and Chris is on his second dog. Um, real quick, before we get into business, Marty, the first dog you had was a big giant shepherd. Yeah. Was it a significant size down on the Malinois? And was that on purpose? Because you're like, fuck this big giant thing. I'm trying to <laughs> hoist through stuff. Yeah, I was tired of a big yeah. dog stuck in the car every time he's trying to do a dope search, you know, <laughs> around in it. Yeah. Every time we do an HRD or seminar, whatever, and they, we, they come out to do grip checks. And dude brings out a big hundred pounder, 90 pounder. I'm like, first dog. Yeah. How'd you know? I go, I bet your second dog is 65 pounds or 70 pounds. He's like, yeah, this sucks. Like, I love this dog, but holy crap. I got like uh slip discs and shoulder problems and I'm 28. So yeah, one, one of my handlers had a track last night and we're at the time of, um, we're at the time right now when we're not going to get below like 90 degrees, like even at night. And with humidity, and there was like a mile something track over a mile, and this dog is fucking massive. It's the biggest Malinois you will ever see. Oh, yeah, buck twenty, isn't he? Is bigger than that, and he's just like he's like I'm not. Like, everybody wants a big. He carries fucking fence cutters with him. He's like I'm not throwing his fucking fat ass over a fence. He's like there's mm-hmm. no way. So he just fucking cuts barbed wire. Yeah. So <laughs> everybody wants a big dog. So you got to do a track in 110 degree heat, and then throw his fat ass over a fence or put him into a fucking attic. <laughs> yeah no thanks yeah, no so um we're uh you guys so as you know you're working on the street you guys have started um your company trident canine um, consulting so talk a little bit about what that is and before we kind of move into like what the class is and, and the structure you guys do selection for other apartments dog sales and you've got some employees as well yeah exactly so um it was interesting because i don't know 2014 or something like that um this guy had a genius idea in northern california he got some of the top trainers around and said hey i'm gonna form a company i'm gonna hire all you guys and we all jumped on board greg tawny me a cup ron cloward a bunch of us out in northern california and the guy had a lot of money to support it um we started working with him and then he started not doing the books right and we weren't getting paid so eventually all of us started like we're out we don't want to deal with this anymore we're not you know we're not getting paid um so then um, I started working for my buddy, June trained some dogs. And then I said, I talked to him like, we can do this. Like no one, 
there's no good vendors in our area. Let's get out some good product. Um, people are liking our dogs from South City. We can do this. We can, you know, sell and train dogs the right way, you know? And so this old, it was very, it's very, in our area was old school mentality of training, you know? Mm -hmm. New way of stuff and doing stuff, you know, just give the dog a harder correction, you know, beat him up if he's not doing his job. And it's not like, that's not working right now, guys, you know, especially with these, and they never dealt with Malinois out here. We were one of the few agencies that had Malinois. So we understood them and how they worked. And now most of the, we train most of the agencies in our County. And I think most, I think 80% of our Malinois are Dutch Shepherds we have. Yeah. We, we have a t-shirt on the Working Dog Radio website. That's got a picture of George Washington, uh, rope a dope and a dog on a choke chain around. Okay. And, uh, and it says Yank and Crank, what year is it? <laughs> yeah. we it's still it's still obviously as you know it's still a thing um you see guys that are young and they're doing it and it's like well that's what i was taught by this guy and this guy and this guy i'm like you never looked at anything else that was the big thing when i took over as trainer um i like the guy that i trained with he, he was a good dude he put out some you know some good dogs but a lot of what he was doing he was taught by other guys and i felt that there was a, fa a better way like it was a 14 week class, green dog, green handler week, 10, 11. We were still not off leash doing off leash obedience for the state certification. We'd have to like lock the gate and put a cruiser in front of it. Cause we're going to let the dog off leash. And you had to have a toy in your pocket. Cause he's going to run away. We're chasing dogs through the hood. Um, and through, through going to school and going to learn from other people. It takes me two weeks now, two weeks, 15 minutes. That was 10 or 12 weeks, an hour, hour and a half every morning. Dogs are yawning, shaking. They hated it, you know, and it was all choke chain, yanking crank. And um, we, uh, I changed everything. And now it's like two weeks. We, the guy can take the state test and it's easy and the dogs like it and they're not yawning and they don't care. And we're using food and toy or just food for a lot of them. And I'm um, like, yeah. And I didn't invent that guys. I, I learned it from other people. So I, I always found that that weird so when did you guys start the business the trident uh in 2016 we opened it up we get pushback um no it was there's a, another vendor that competes with us and they didn't like us but they never liked they never liked our dogs we never we in south san francisco always did in-house training so we never mm -hmm. trained this company so they never liked us from the beginning you know and so we said okay you guys do your thing we do our thing and now they're losing business and we're gaining business so it's working out well, how about the department? Any, uh, you got, obviously there's everybody, if you're not a copy, you don't know, there are outside employment forms and approvals and all kinds of things to go through that they're always worried about. Yeah. Like Chris said, our chief is, you know, a rich ex handler and he's very supportive of what we do. And I mean, we had to sign the forms and do outside employment stuff and we keep it separate, you know, from our training and stuff like that. And, you know, and don't get caught up in the stupid stuff you could get caught up in, you know, just got to do it smart and they're really supportive of what we're doing out there because we know we're doing a good job with it at the end of the day and we're representing the department well and you know also the company yeah and it's a tricky situation when you're doing the business in the part of the career field that you're in because and if you have some folks that may i don't know have some jealousy they're going through your social media they're looking they're trying to see is that dog on our field i i don't think so is that it? you know some other thing like that there's a bunch of weird stuff um, talk about the people that you got working with you. Yeah, we have, uh, obviously myself and Marty. Um, we have, uh, Amanda, Lily Vasquez, who's a, uh, canine handler, uh, the local agency. 
Um, I've known her for several years. Um, back when I was a canine handler, she was always interested, but always, you know, we were a neighboring agency, so mutual aid for us was huge. Um, she would try to show up to any calls that I had and, you know, be my cover officer, work with me, learn whatever she could with a dog. She ended up getting a dog and, you know, working, working her dog in, in San Bruno, um, was able to get her onto uh, our SWAT team as well. So her dog is skid certified. So she's one of our uh, trainers. Um, and, you know, she really is a huge help for our patrol school. Um, she takes the lead on that. We get a new dog, a couple of new dogs. She's out there um, training with them. Uh, Larry Johnson is our uh, decoy. Um, he's been working dogs for something like 20 years. He was a animal control officer in San Francisco for several years. Um, so he did hearings for uh, vicious animals when he was working there. So he's extremely knowledgeable, great decoy. Um, and we have uh, Irene Diaz. Um, she, we met her, how long ago was that? Three or four years ago, yeah, three or four years ago. She's from the sport dog. Um, you know, and what you talked about is, you know, years ago when I first started, everybody kind of, I don't want to say talk shit about the, the sport dog stuff, but I would watch them and I would be amazed at how good their obedience is and, mm -hmm. and how well their dogs listen. And I was like, our dogs are crap compared to what mm -hmm. they, maybe we can learn something from, from them, you know? Um, so, uh, she came on, she's helping us with the obedience side of things. Um, huge help, extremely knowledgeable. Anytime we get a new dog in, she's, you know, working the, the obedience with them. Um, and we're, we're starting to try to hire some, some new, new people as well, whatever, whatever we can. Um, another, uh, person we have, uh, who just kind of started working with us. Uh, her name's Alyssa. Um, same thing, private dog, sport dog community. Um, so we're bringing her in and having her help us with some of the, the private dog stuff. Anybody else? That's right. Yeah. Trying to get some of our, our current handlers like Steve Miller, uh, interested, you know, we want to get him on board as well. So trying to just build the company with, with good people. Yeah. It does pay dividends to, um, not just in, uh, knowledge, but in work ethic and the way, you know, they can, it just it just works out better. The uh, pet side of my business is called Ridgeside Canine Ohio, and the, the the original Ridgeside Canine their business philosophy is try as much as you can hiring veterans and cops, current or former, and I see why. And uh, so I've been recruiting more canine guys, teaching them up on the pet side. You know, a lot of canine guys are not really good with e collars; they just don't do it right. I wasn't in early on; I had to go learn. Um, so it's it's but it's a faster transition than trying to take somebody who doesn't know anything and move them up. Um, so the website is trident canine consulting.net. That's super important.net. Um, talk about what, what's that. Yeah. Letter, letter canine number nine. What do you guys offer? What do you guys do? Um, we do everything from sound dogs to like, we do maintenance training out here, which is once a week training. Um, we do our patrol schools and then we did, we can talk later the supervision stuff, but we do canine audits for agencies um, which is, is a big help. People don't like that word, but it's actually mm -hmm. helped agencies out a lot and it benefits them. We talk about it later, but it's, it's a good program. Um, so any kind of like specialty stuff people want to do, but same when the dog sales, the dog training is our main focus. Excellent. Excellent. Um, yeah. So we kind of did this out of order a little bit because we want to finish uh, the episode with um, you guys doing the supervision stuff. Um, and so normally what we just talked about is sort of the end of the episode, but for those listening, um, hit these guys up. Um, 
do you guys travel to do the admin stuff or anything else or i mean uh, we'll travel travel like would you go to another portion portion of the country yeah yeah absolutely i mean for the the audit portion <laughs> of it we did um, like yeah. Marty talked about that this was the marty taught a, a supervision class before for a different conference this was the first one i was at um but yeah or if any other agencies want some sort of a, a training we'd absolutely do that or or you know specialty courses or training days stuff like that absolutely cool uh we're gonna take a break real quick our second break uh we will be back after the break with chris and marty from trident canine solutions and when we get back we're going to talk about eric's favorite subject which is admins and administrators and <laughs> we're going to talk about their admin course so don't go anywhere all right guys this episode has been brought to you by great sponsors of ours please don't skip through this take a listen to them one of our oldest sponsors and great friends of ours are the people down at Highland Canine down in North Carolina. Um, I really like them. We have we see them at all the conferences. I know a lot of people have been to their school for dog trainers. They've been on the podcast Highland Canine. They're a full service canine and pet dog training business where they can train you to be a trainer. They can get you a dog. They have handler classes. They have supervisor classes. They have trainers courses for just LE. They have them for anybody who wants to be in uh, in the dog business, be a dog trainer of any kind. Um, check them out. Their website is tacticalpolicecaninetraining.com, tacticalpolicecaninetraining.com. If you are smart, you'll go down there in the winter. It is North Carolina. It is warm. You get to work dogs. It's a no-joke school, guys. You're not going down there for a month um, and, and rushing through it. They're actually trying to make you real deal dog trainers. Uh, tacticalpolicecaninetraining.com. Next is a sponsor that's been with us for quite a while, uh, Dogtra. I love Dogtra stuff, and they continually keep bringing out new products. Uh, one of the things that I've been using a lot lately is the new Tone Box. If you're a pet trainer or if you train a lot of police officers, and I harp on my guys all the time about timing, and this thing literally kind of pairs to the, to the remote, and when you're using the remote, whether you're using Nick constant or Vibrate, it makes a noise. So you can get the timing down 100% consistent. And so I can demonstrate how to do an out with an e-caller immediately, quickly. And it is so effective that I can't believe that it took me forever to figure it out <laughs> to, mm-hmm. to get that. They've also got these new um, comfort feather, like titanium things that go on the collars that uh, are fantastic for making sure we got contact. It actually has six points and this comes in two sizes and it's a titanium feather thing. They're awesome. They got comfort, comfort contact points for the bark collars, the YS 600. One of my favorite things. I have about 50 of them at the kennel and it is dead silent. And I put them on all the pet dogs and I can leave them on because they have the comfort contact points and they're fantastic. All this stuff you can get at dogtra.com. And if you use the discount code WDR one zero you get 10 percent off a single item over 200 bucks so that covers the ball trainer that covers the 1900 ask hands free which is my personal favorite for all the big dogs uh it covers the two dog system uh the 202c which i use for the two dog pet guys and fantastic so doctor.com or go to at doctor official on all the socials that's facebook instagram all those places so hit them up doctor.com guys i don't even shop any other sites when i'm looking for everything for dogs our one-stop shop for anything pet dog training and police dog training hunt dog training anything you need you can find at rayallen.com they have been doing it forever we have a great relationship with them um again they're at all the conferences you can stop up and talk to them they have more stuff there than any place rayallen.com they are amazing we have a great 
uh, really, really good relationship with those guys. Um, like I said, I get on their website. I do not look anywhere else. I just get on Ray Allen. Why, why should I fill up my cart, pay it? Boom. Shipping. Here we go. Uh, everything's coming. RayAllen.com. And guess what? We do have a discount code for them. Working dog radio for 10% off. That's all one working dog radio. And it's all caps. Check them out. RayAllen.com. I'm not too shaped to admit that I used our own discount code to buy stuff for the kennel. We have American aluminum next. They're a new sponsor for uh, moving forward. Um, they have been around for quite a while. They manufacture a wide variety of products from the high quality cam lockers and toolboxes to a huge line of products designed to meet the ever-changing needs of law enforcement community. Back in 1992, due to the demand for safe, secure transport for a nearby law enforcement department's canine, they introduced the very first Easy Rider canine. They have continuously grown and expanded products catering to the needs and wants of the valued customers and a high-profile clientele. Over the years, as the needs have changed, they have evolved and expanded their products to include inmate transport systems, canine training aids, canine inserts, contraband, containment, and animal control systems, just to name a couple of things. So you can find them at easyrideronline.com. That is easy echo zulu rider online.com. You can find them on the socials at American Aluminum Accessories, and then you can hit them up toll free. 1-800-277-0869. You don't have to worry about writing all that down. We're going to put it in the show notes. So just scroll down to the bottom, write it down, click the link, take you straight there under your phone. Our first sponsor we ever had, he's been, he's our ride or die. He's been with us since the beginning is Arno over at ALM Canine Equipment. His stuff is so good. Ted, you know, gets suits. He, and listen, Ted's suit, he's had it for a long time. Arno's fixed it. He's uh, taken a million bites on it. It still holds up. The thing's amazing. I've got a suit from him. I love it. Use it all the time. Uh, but the main thing that I really love about Arno is his hidden sleeves are ridiculously amazing. They are the best. And his tugs. I usually buy tugs from Arno by the box load. He'll send me a whole bunch of them. I hand them out to the handlers, new handlers when they come in, experienced handlers. Uh, they last for a long time. They're amazing. The craft work is is great. Arno's doing all the, the sewing there. He's got pre-made suits. He can do custom-made suits, everything you need um, out there. And he's out there in sunny Las Vegas. Get on his website, check him out, almk9equipment.com, almk9equipment.com. Discount code WD Radio, all caps, 10% off your first order. Check him out. All right, we're back with Chris and Marty from uh, Trident Canine Solutions. I hope you didn't fast forward through the commercials. If you did, I, I know you did. But if you didn't, then great. Uh, but if you did, everything else is in the show notes. Um, or uh, we also put that shit on social media. So, uh, but so the kind of the nexus of this episode was to have you guys talk, come on to talk about admin stuff. I actually do one as well. Um, kind of the first when I do them. Um, like obviously the handler, the admins don't see dogs the entire time they're there. Like, I mean, or unless I have one with me, like a super social, when I just let her out or like, have my female or something, she runs around. But, um, you know, when we do them, uh, kind of like I kind of open up and I say, you know, everybody in here, like the big word in admin and the big word in supervision is liability. And the vast majority of liability is sitting in this room looking at me. And they all kind of look at me like I've got a dick growing on my forehead. And I'm like, no, I'm serious. Like, you know, and, and the thing that I kind of lead with a lot with admins when they say, well, I don't want to do a purpose dog because liability. I'm like, well, you give them a car and a gun. Like, I don't know what the problem is. Like, I don't see where, like you either trust them with decision-making skills or you don't. 
And so I guess in that kind of thread, let's kind of start the process of, you know, what you guys talk about in the admin course and what is important. Um, like, let's just start from the beginning, like where it starts and where we go from there. Yeah, I think the biggest problem I think we talked about is that a lot of people get promoted and they're like, okay, you're in charge of patrol and you're in charge of canine. So good luck. And they're never handlers. They don't anything about it. And we've noticed, especially our training groups is these sergeants know nothing. They're never any kind of ex handlers. So they don't know how to deal with them and they never come to training. And then that just opens the biggest liability up there. You don't know what your guys are doing, what out there are doing. That's what's going to be the biggest liability for the day. Yeah. In yeah, fact, one of our living buddies, on borrowed time, honestly. Yeah. In fact, one of our buddies owns a very popular business in this industry uh, named after an email where he is referenced as a worthless handler. So <laughs> buy somebody up the chain that was like the worthless fucking handlers. And it's always the fucking dog guys. They're always fucking training. They're doing this. They're doing that. They're doing all this other shit. And I'm like, yeah, you have to train. I mean, so um and, and that's an interesting thing because a lot of times dudes, like you said, dudes get promoted. And a lot of times dogs are under special operations. So, um, or special services or however they want to put it. So you'll get a SWAT guy that has never run a dog probably came has a lot of them have come from military backgrounds and have had access to dogs, but have never run one. Don't know anything about the supervision. Don't know anything about handling of it. Don't even know the capabilities of them. And they look at it like I uh, got to deal with these assholes now too, because they, you know, they're under special operations or special services or whatever. And that's all they want to deal with. And a lot of times patrol guys are, you know, patrol and they don't want to deal with it. They don't want to fucking around and fucking around with it and everything else. So when you talk to those guys, what's the easiest, um, and I, well, I, I, think I, I think I know what you're going to say, but what, what's the best advice that you give those guys? The, the new supervisors? Yeah. I mean, when we meet with them, especially through, through our company and they're um, coming for us to get a dog, you know, I try to tell them as much as I can, like, Hey, you need to you know, be out there for training. You are more than welcome to come out anytime. We will show you what's going on. You know, try to open it up and let them know that you, know, you need to be at these trainings. You need to know what they're doing and also documentation, make sure these handlers are, are documenting anytime they're deploying their dogs, getting on top of their training records um, getting them in on time. Um, we have that issue. Even sometimes in our agency, guys are a month behind on their training record and you, know, you gotta, you gotta hammer them to make sure that they're up to date because Marty's been, you know, especially working with the DEA subpoenaed plenty of times and they want a year's worth of record. Um, so just, just trying to really get across of how important it is for them to understand, because we have had people tell us, I don't know anything about dogs. I know nothing about canine and they you don't have to, if you don't have to know anything about it, like, yeah, you, yeah. <laughs> show up, you know, see what they're yeah. doing. Um, and you know, that way you can back them and, and people have questions, you know, what the procedures are and you know what they're doing in training. So there's no question about it. Um, we That's still have many, but, uh, it happens sometimes. That's one thing that I suggest to guys. I tell them, uh, admins, I say, look, they have to train this much, which is the kind of the industry standard is 16 hours a month, whether it's four fours or two eights or one. Well, it should be four fours or two eights, however you want to train it. But it has to be documented, supervised um, supervision and documented training. And on top of that, I tell them, I say, you know, you should be familiar with the standards of whatever national and and or if you have a state, whatever those are. And you should show up to training once a quarter. 
like whatever it is. And I was like, look, I'm asking you to spend 16 hours a year with your canine unit. Like, that's it. That's all I'm asking you to do. And then on top of that, I tell them like, look, every deployment, like you should have your guys give you like a, a either a monthly or weekly or however you fucking want to do it. Like thing, this is what happened in the canine unit. This is where we're at on these individual things. Uh, we can talk about um, some of the bite stuff here in a second, but um, you know, and then just kind of be like, where are we at? And like, you need to understand all of the, everything around it. And because when you start talking about 1983 claims, then all of a sudden everybody with stripes on their sleeve starts paying attention. It's like, Whoa, hold on a second. And to a lot of people listening to this, that's kind of a shock. And I know that they know that those exist, but you people have been sued successfully for failure to supervise and especially in the dog side. So when I say that's why you guys create most liability, cause you, and you don't necessarily have to know what, the dog you don't necessarily know how the dog has to work you just know what they have to do but uh eric what do you got so yeah kind of on that i still get guys that don't come to don't come to maintenance training where you been yeah the chief uh says i can't come because we're short-staffed it's always smaller department can't come because we're short-staffed i'm like yeah i don't care about your staffing levels and he's like yeah the chief says since the 16 hours is just suggested and it's not an actual federal law, he's not letting me come. And we do a couple hours on shift if we can, things like that. I, I show, I, I show them court cases that says um, you it's, you should be training with other people, get outside people, not yourself, not on a shift. Is that a, a big topic of conversation in your supervisor classes? Yeah. I mean, a lot of the guys in our area are good about training. They like the training, they show up, but then you get those guys that, you know, come once in a while. Or the biggest thing is you get guys that are off, you know, for injury or they're off for a long time. And the first thing I tell them back when they come back, like, dude, you've been off for three months. You need to recertify. Mm-hmm. You, get, you haven't had any training. Let's do some, you know, month worth of training and get the dog recertified to get back on the streets, you know? Um, and I think that's the biggest thing is a lot of these sergeants, lieutenants, they don't understand, they don't know the policy procedures of the dogs. I mean, just the care and maintenance of them to like when they can use them, you know, and I've seen it where we, we switched our policy. We made it a little more restrictive and one of our handlers got a bite and my lieutenant's calling me that was overseeing our unit calling me freaking out. Cause the guy's like, I'm going to sue you. I'm going to sue you. He's like, was well, this a good bite? I'm like, you should know if it's a good bite. You should know our policy by this time, you know, Yeah. They're calling me. I'm not even, I'm at, I'm at a movie right now with my wife, you know? And a lot of times they don't know the policy or what the, the dogs are allowed to do, not allowed to do. And from care and maintenance to just when they can deploy, you know, how deep into, um, into case law do you have to get with them? Or is it, is it just kind of, you pick a couple of the hot topics and talk about it? Uh, I, we're, we're lucky. Like I said, at least with our agency, they, they understand, um, they trust us because of our knowledge of the policy. You know, with that conversation, Marty told the lieutenant, no, we're good. It's in the policy. He heard the facts and they're like, okay. Um, so we're, we're lucky. We don't, we don't have to have those fights uh, about, you know, um, case law and, and really hammering them. Our guys, uh, they're very supportive of us going to training. Um, you know, they rarely miss training. The only thing for us is our, and I'm sure it's similar with a lot of agencies, since we are smaller, our dog guys are also running calls. So we're not just doing canine stuff so every once in a while if it's really busy and we're short staff they'll come to training but if they get a call they gotta leave um that's really the the worst that we've seen is they're having to be pulled out, out of training to go run a call um but other than that we don't really get that with, with our agency 
Yeah. I, what I was talking about is in your classes, your, that you give your uh, supervisor classes. Do you get the pushback on, you know, it's, it's suggested. It's not actually a law, the 16 hours, we have, even though it's the Supreme court suggesting it, it's, you know, <laughs> my guy's not coming with, we're short staffed and, and I don't know if you have to get in and kind of slap them with some court cases and shit like that. We haven't, we haven't had to yet, but we'll see a lot when we're selling dogs and training programs. They're like, I only need, he only needs eight hours of training a month. And I'm like, no, you need 16. Well, no, no, we only do eight hours. That's all we can afford. And I'm like, you need 16 and we're rec highly recommending it, you know? And, okay. I told you, you know, the liability mm -hmm. is in the day, you know? And, but SWAT still gets two days a month, three days yeah. maybe. So, and are never yeah. used. <laughs> not as much as the dog that's for damn sure fuck every time the dog gets out there's a there's an instance there could be an instance to use the force but i ask eric this all the time like how many times you guys shoot somebody on swat like four yeah something like that and four and 14 years and how many times shit you had calls with you a bit more than four people in one time so it's, it's, like, yeah wild yeah <laughs> like so and that's kind of uh, you know what you just mentioned is is very pervasive in um i think in the in the administration side of canine when we start talking about like some of the handlers um i have i've had a lot of admins come to me and they're like well this was out of policy and i'm like eh, okay like i can understand that and and we're talking about bites more specifically than we are um drug stuff um but I finally have had to tell some people, I'm like, federal courts don't give a fuck about your policy unless by design, by, by structure, by, by history, by whatever that creates some kind of fourth or 14th amendment violation for somebody, but they don't care. Like they literally don't care. Like you can walk in and if it's a bite situation, they're going to tell you like, you know, we don't give a shit what your policy is. They look at Graham and that's, or in some other cases, depending on where you're at. But a lot of times admins kind of have to look at me and I'm like, if you're, if your policy is way more restrictive, which I understand, or way, way not as restrictive as Graham, then you probably are going to have some problems. And they're look at me and they're kind of like, cause we had somebody like, we don't have a policy. Like it needs to be close to Graham. And then I had some guy that was like, we only, only will use force on um, a fresh violent felony. I'm like, what? Why? Like, what's the point? Uh, and then Eric, we had a guy in, where were we? At, NH at Texas. Uh, one of the Texas departments, uh, a huge department, massive. One of the biggest Texas, one of the cities in Texas, biggest cities in Texas. He gets out and he didn't get the dog out. We're like, what are you doing? He's like, we can't deploy into a structure, a residential structure under any circumstances. I'm like, you mean like at all? He was like, no, we cannot deploy a dog into a residential structure for any circumstance. Chasing a murderer? Nope. Cop nope. killer? Nope. I go, yeah. what, what happened? Where did it come from? He goes, no, nothing, nowhere. And it's a fucking fifth circuit. They'll buy people in fucking caves. They don't care. So, but like, I was like, well, like did that and eric was like did you buy somebody's grandma or something and they're like nope just somebody said that we can't do it and i'm like what the fuck so um you know that's an interesting um you know i i think you guys are in an, in an environment over there on the ninth circuit especially where you're at that is um everybody out there that's a cop is very aware of a lot of um a lot of people don't necessarily know why we do things the way that we do, but they're definitely very aware of that. This is the way that it is because of a certain thing. So when we talk about the training side of it too, um, one thing that always comes up when I talk to new administrators, especially in small departments um, is pay. Um, and I tell them like, you have to pay them extra. 
Like you have to, with the exception of them traveling long distances, that's a nine circuit case. But I was like, you like, there's no, like, I think I went through and counted one time. It was like 214 cases or something. It's a federal level. I'm like, where it's the handler sued departments. And I'm like, you have to fucking pay them. So you can't win as a department. No, you cannot you win. Like if you're listening to this and you're an administrator and first of all, fuck you for trying to fuck somebody out of their, out of doing extra work for being a <laughs> handler, but you have to pay them. It's not a suggestion. It's not a like, Oh, we should do this. It's not like, Oh, they're going to work overtime and we're going to do like on the job overtime shit. It is a mandate. So how do you guys talk about that in your uh, courses at all? Yes. Yeah, so, yeah, we talk about the FLSA and it's super important to cover it. I mean, super. So we run it a little unique at our agency. Um, since we have so many dogs, we get paid probably the minimum. We're getting paid something, but we get paid, I think, right. 80 bucks every two months. But we know if we go and ask for more, they're going to be like, that's great. We're going to cut your unit. Um, now, I think agencies need to pay a fair price. We're, that's just how we're acting, but you need to pay them something, you know, and if you're not paying them something, you said we've seen it. A couple agencies around her just destroy canine units because they weren't getting paid. Yep. They lost, and guess what? Then we'll get rid of the canine unit. I don't want to deal with it anymore. Yeah, and, and actually, you can sue them now. There's some cases you can sue them for going back after, especially sheriffs that do that a lot. Or, yeah. And it, they'll admit it. You go ahead. You try to get uh, an hour of pay. We're just going to shut down the unit. And then you sue them personally. You, it's they can't do it in any fashion. 1983, baby. You just so, have to do it. There was that case so, out of Vegas recently where uh, they went after the back pay on, and it wasn't, they were doing it. I have to go back and read it, but they were doing, they were doing the, doing it correctly, but they weren't contributing to um, the benefits portion on the excess, uh, like the retirement side. Mm -hmm. And they, the Vegas, I don't know, it was Vegas or North Vegas, somewhere over there, but they uh, went after him for that. And I don't know, I think it's still pending, but it was interesting. I was like, oh, this is a new twist on this one. I was like, ah, and it, the freaking administrators will find any way. And like, it goes, back, it goes back to what Eric said. It's not your fucking money. Like, what difference does it make? Man. Like, it's not coming out of your pocket, bro. Like, where's that money going to go? Gas? Like, what are you going to do with it? It's the original FSLA, uh, FSLA came from Canton, where I worked. Uh, I was one of the first couple. And the... <laughs> Those dudes, I've, I've, we had the a whole case file in our file. I read it. Those guys, I mean, some of them dudes were chumps and they fucking milked them. We got like 60 K 40,000 in back pay 50,000. It's like, come on, man. I know you and you wouldn't lift a finger to help a lady on fire. And you're trying to tell me you did all this extra work with your dog. But real quick, my favorite story is we had this, we had this older handler with a rock star dog, you know, uh, I liked the guy a lot, but he was 50 miles an hour and his dog was a hundred miles an hour. And so it was always a whole thing. Well, they refused to pay him and it's all, it's not always, but it's mostly sheriffs that do this. And their thing is the same thing all the time. They hate the feds. And if the feds want to tell you to pay them, then pay it, then you can get them to pay it. And because they know everyone's afraid to sue their, their agency. Well, Dick that's is the not, handler's that's name. Not true. He, he that's kept not note true. the whole time, kept a record. He sued the sheriff personally. Sheriff had to pay within five minutes. Like the lawsuit was his sheriff's attorney is like, what are you doing? You can't win this case. You cannot win them. You have to pay him. Settle for like, I don't know, $30,000. The handler bought a boat retired bought a boat named it after the sheriff 
<laughs> and then would would go on the fishing on the lake where the sheriff was at all the time. It was awesome. I'm like, that is awesome. I love it. My agency is they did it. What I think is probably the easiest way to do it. The handlers get paid for eight hours. They work seven. It's not, it's not that hard. They, yeah. they leave an hour early or they come in an hour late, depending on what the shift is. You don't miss it. It's, but it irks people. I, I got to pay them an hour. They're not here. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, look, 1993, uh, this is not your money. Well, relax. So, but it's ingrained into the fabric of the department that I came from. It, it's not even a question, but that's yeah. the easiest way to do it. And the, the departments can't, can't figure out and you can sue them personally for it. It's, it's a big mistake on their part uh, to, to not go with it. Um, we still, I've got a guy who just is retiring his dog. He had to sue his department for it. Um, several of them. And I'm like, okay, you don't think they're going to do it. So um, at the blue line seminar, kind of, did you get people sticking around? Around or asking question what was kind of feedback you got yeah we had a we had a couple people um asking us uh one uh the training record that we put up we have a, a super simple just a word document that's got everything that we you know do at training check boxes and then a little narrative uh, a couple guys wanted that a couple all of them uh because we touched on some selection stuff as well in that um <laughs> Uh, class as well. So some of the guys asked us about uh, collection uh, or selection training. Um, and then there was, I think one or two, you know, they had some smaller agencies trying to build their canine program, uh, how to do, how to go about doing that. You know, first guy, um, you know, Hey, you're a brand new handler and I want you to start uh, selecting dogs. And I, one of the guys is like his chief or somebody told him, I want you to start being a vendor. Brand new handler um, asked us a little bit about that. I found that kind of interesting. Uh, mm -hmm. So yeah, we got a, we got some, some good feedback. It was good. So do you guys, so on that note, I mean, do you guys, have, cause I, I'm shocked at the number of times that I have departments um, that come to me and I'm like, all right, well, before you send your handler, I need a copy of your policy. And they're like, we don't have one. I know I just said, nobody cares about your policy, but uh, the federal courts don't, but I train handlers to their policy. I've had some departments go through. They're super like specific. We can only do it this way. Like when Eric and I go to the East coast, they have leash policies and i mean like hardcore the dog does not do anything he can't go to the bathroom off leash like and they are out there on a leash 24 7 because of that dude's really good with leashes and they've got 100 of them in the car um but it's a it's a good policy thing so anyway um do you guys do sample policies for those smaller departments so i mean we can talk about yeah so we use a thing called lexapol and it's mm -hmm. these yeah, yeah out of LA, if you haven't heard about it, they make anything from how you send emails department to use of force. So we use their policy, which is really good. It's been really good in the courts. Um, so, but we can share that all day long. I mean, we tweak it a little bit to fit our agency and how we do stuff. Um, but some of the stuff is case law. We can't change in there, you know? Yeah. And, and that one and the Lexapol one, cause a lot of my departments use it too. And mm -hmm. like the use of force stuff with dogs, like if you read it, it is like literally almost word for word graham it's like got the yeah, three they, prongs they put it in there and i mean i there's a couple of them that i've seen that even references graham and they say and they specifically talk about like blah 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 blah, blah down the thing so i'm like all right and then i've had some administrator i had a fucking captain from a department not know what graham was 
He's a fucking police officer, and he, I don't know if he hears this, or not, I don't care, but you know, he was like, What? He was like, and Bruce Connor, he was like, Uh, is that a dog case? Like, no, it's not. But so, anyway, um, but I mean, it's a super important part of it, but um, yeah, we use Lexapol in Canton also. When we started using yeah. it, guys were like, California, we don't want some bullshit from California, California in there, bullshit, but, yeah. And the only thing I didn't like about Lexapol was um, outside of the, the case references, the case law, it was very wordy. Yeah. And I thought, and a lot of people, we had some attorneys talk to the city and go, too many words, pare it down to what we do. Too many words open too many doors for, for problems. So we, we fixed it. But the use of force for the canine side is not bad. It, it's not bad. And they, they have some things, you know, the... Um, that you can't bite unless it's a serious offense. Mm-hmm. They don't define serious offense, but the Supreme Court does in some other cases. They they did, and it's up to you to go. But then they put the language, the Graham language, in there, and you can use it, and it's it's actually not bad. It 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 works out pretty good. So real quick, the last thing we um, talk about is before we stop is the canine unit auditing that you guys offer. I'm really curious about w- what that entails. Too short. Yeah, um, we started it uh, last year, uh, got uh, put it up on the website, uh, got contacted by uh, Wichita uh, Police Department. Um, I guess they were going through a transition, a new chief, and it was just kind of a rotating thing. He was going to do SWAT and, you know, Canine was up next. Um, so they reached out to us, a couple other places, bitted it out, and um, they selected us. Uh, Marty started uh, communicating with their uh, sergeant. And uh, I think it, it, it felt a little bit adversarial at first because, you know, you hear audit and, you know, same thing. Who are these guys from California coming out to tell us how to run our unit? Um, ben, his name's Ben Jonkers, a great guy. Um, we made it very clear right in the beginning. Hey, we're not here to tell you what to do. We're not here to tell you, you know, how to do it better. Uh, we're, we're here to get you guys what you need for your canine unit. Um, if you need more dogs, if you need more equipment, if you need, you know, better stuff in your cars or, you know, we'll, we'll look over your records. We'll look over your report writing, being from the ninth circuit, um, very litigious out here. So we're extremely diligent with our report writing. Um, so, you know, very quickly that tone changed and they, they realized we weren't, we weren't coming in there, you know, trying to slam them or anything like that. Um, so we flew out there, met with the guys. We were there for about four days. Um, went to their trainings. Um, prior to that, they sent us their training records, some copies of uh, bite reports, even some body cam stuff that they were able to release. Um, no, actually, we saw that when we were there. Um, but uh, ended up great guys, amazing unit, extremely impressed with what they were doing um, and ended up writing a report. Hey, what do you guys need? What do you want? You know, they had what, six six dogs they should be having 10 or 12 oh yeah for that size yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the big things was <laughs> hey we don't we don't have uh, patrol rifles in our cars and we're doing a lot of these tracks for armed guys and we were actually out there and uh at training and they had a, a pursuit with carjacking suspects we actually we got to go with them and i'm walking along with them jump fences with them <laughs> and had, a, had a blast um and they, we were having that conversation that they didn't have patrol rifles so um or they had very few so we wrote you know, give them a report at the end. Hey, these are the industry standards. This is what we suggest for an agency of your size. This is what we suggest for patrol rifles. And um, it worked out really great. I, I think they were happy with us. Um, we saw um, uh, Dan Gum, who taught one of the classes, the canine rooster class out at uh, Blue Line. Um, it worked out really well. And, and we look at it as 
we're here to get you what you need to be successful, not, you know, tell you what you're doing wrong. Yeah, that, that's a large, I mean, I, the admin things are kind of like, or the audit deals are like, oh, you're going to come in and tell us this or that or the other. And, you know, being from the Ninth Circuit, you guys are, like you said, super litigious, but you're, you know, it, there and there's one other place in the country, obviously Florida, because it's a shady or it's a fucking sunny place for shady people. But um, like Florida is just fucking its own thing. And if you're a canine handler in Florida, it's 100 miles an hour all the time. But both of those places, California and Florida, generate a lot of case law. Some really good and some really bad. But because of that, you guys have a lot of insight um, to offer, I think, to a department like Wichita. Um, like, I'm not that far from Wichita. Um, and actually, I think one of their handlers, dude, their Lawrence PD, came to an HRD once. And dude was super squared away. But I, I mean, I know people on KSP that um, you know work with those guys there. And I know that they're already a very good they have quite a bit of experience in that department. Um, and so for them to come in and then, and you're kind of like us, like, I don't really care about the rest of them. <laughs> like they're I'm like, you guys have investigations and detectives and I'm sure you've got firearms instructors, which like Chris, you're a firearm instructor. I'm like, great. You guys can do all that. I don't give a shit about that. I care about canine. Like it's all we deal with. It's all I want to deal with. It's all I care about. Um, so in that, like when you have departments come to you with audits, um, what's the biggest deficiency that you guys come across? That's tough. I mean, personally, I've seen it's lack of training records and lack of documentation on the reports, you know? Um, and it was funny. We were watching the body cameras for the Wichita, and they were yelling and swearing at this guy and told me he was going to get bit. He deserved to get bit. And we're like, you can't say that. Oh, fuck. <laughs> and they're yeah. like, we're like, we're from Wichita. We can say where we want. I'm like, you, yeah. we can't say that in California, dude. You know, like, yeah. it's a different mm -hmm. world, you know? Uh, it's just a different environment, you know, and they go, okay, we get it. Okay. Yeah, we got to clean it up a little bit, but it's just the, the training records and, you know, and just documenting the reports, you know, and one of the biggest things we saw is with such a big agency is you'll have a patrol guy that will start some shit show and canine comes in and does his magic. And then you got the, the patrol guy writing his report and the canine writing that, and they don't even cross-reference reports to read what they did. Oh, and that's terrible. Yeah. How do you know? Like he could, this, Brand new rookie cop can say this dog went out there and mauled everybody and he did all this kind of stuff. They're like, dude, my dog didn't do that. But they're never cross-referencing the ports. And you see that a lot with the bigger agencies. Like, dude, you got to sit down together and make sure you guys are on the same page. Some of them don't watch the video. They won't yeah. watch their body cam and they'll write the report. Because one of my jobs, I was in a weird position when I was the head trainer and the guy who took my place, Chris, he's in the same position. I was a patrolman <clears throat> in put in kind of a supervisory position but A, not paid, and B, technically not in their chain of command, but forced to be in their chain of command. It's really weird. But I reviewed all of the bite videos. Well, I shouldn't say all of them. They had me review the bite videos of the guys they didn't like, in my opinion. Um, I'm like, really? I'm, I'm looking at another video from this guy? Hmm, that's weird. Another one from him, but not the biting of the innocent person by this guy that you like a lot. But anyways, um, and I would look at it and I'd read the report and go look at the video. And I'm like, dude, not even close, not even close in timing as to what you said and what you wrote in the report. Did you look at the video? No, it was still uploading. You know, I hadn't looked at it. And I'm like, I, I don't get it. I, I don't, I don't understand. It's a giant, like that's a typewriter mistake. That's a, that's a mistake that could cost you uh, almost everything. 
Yeah. You know, that you, yeah. And you said something happened and you look at it and you're like, no, it didn't. That didn't happen at all. That'd be like shooting somebody and having a body cam and not reviewing the body cam and then saying he stuck his hand all the way down in his waistband. And then you go look at it and you're like, actually, he didn't. You know what I mean? Look at it first. So, and you're right, writing the reports. Ted talks about all the time, you know, the, um, the Florida cases were dope <laughs> cases, but they turned into records keeping cases. Yeah, is honestly yeah. what it ended up Florida turning into. Harris. Yeah, Florida, Florida versus Harris. Harris. It's, Harris is not a dope case, it's a record case, but right. it started out as a dope case, but yeah. yeah, and that's that's what it turned into. Um, so guys, it's been great having you on. Tell tell everybody, um, talk about your website real quick. Um, is there anything new that you've decided you're gonna start offering? It just hasn't been done yet. Like you haven't had a class of certain things that you found something, maybe a hole that you could fill. Yeah, I mean, we're trying to look into the tactical side of stuff with Chris and a lot of these SWAT guys around there. We want to get that going up, you know, mm -hmm. and we're certainly with that. And, you know, the supervisor school, we want to go out there and start teaching it more. I mean, Blue Line was, I've taught it before, but it was a good test and see how receptive it was. So it was good, you know, just seeing what's out there and what people need at the end of the day. And then for yeah, the, the tactical stuff's tough, man, because um, I've done it. Ted's done. I was on SWAT for 14 and a half years working dogs and everything, but it's hard to do a SWAT. It can be difficult to do a SWAT tactical course if the department doesn't commit the whole team or, or give me half the guy, something. But if it's all canine guys, and I understand why, but if it's all canine guys show up, it's, it's difficult because they're not working with the dudes that they work with every day. So we've done it. Uh, Ted and I did it. We've had another guy come up and help us do some. And I don't know, man, I, I, didn't, I didn't like it. So if you, can, if you can do it out there, man, kudos to you. Yeah, we'll see. We're also we're also looking at the get a little bit more into the pet side of things uh, with with the company as well. Um, like Mari said, I, I really enjoyed doing the the canine audits because, um, like I said, man, it, it is to get these guys what they need out there. To, yeah. When I heard they were starting to get some patrol rifles, just just something that that small to keep these guys and gals safe out there. That that's huge. So I, I that's one of the big passions I have uh, doing that. Yeah, that does sound pretty. That does sound pretty interesting. And Ted knows now the pets will make you a better trainer. Yeah, yep. they absolutely oh, yeah. will make you a better trainer. Oh yeah, I know. I mean, I, I mean, it took a minute. It's timing all day. I mean, it's yeah. literally it's like playing fucking video games all day. Like I know, but at this mm -hmm. video games that don't bite you, except for one of the fucking pit bulls I have right now. But um, so yeah, where's the? Where can we find you guys? It's TridentCanineConsulting.net. Uh, and then our uh, Instagram, Trident Canine. Uh, actually, let me double check. Trident underscore Canine. Mm, yeah. uh, on I think right I now. follow Just you guys on there. I got to look that up. Pretty sure I do. Hold that hat up to the camera. I like that hat. <laughs> let me see that. Nice. We'll get you, we'll get you guys one. I like, oh, yeah. I like a good hat. I, uh, <laughs> let, me, let me pull up that. You guys have a Facebook? Uh, there's one there, but it's, it's not really... Uh, not really maintain we're going to get into that a little bit more too yeah keep keep the facebook uh, i'll give you some advice keep the facebook for the pets yeah, yeah. and uh keep the the instagram for the police dogs um because you can put you can put better things on there but the key is when you're bidding jobs to police departments you got to tell the old ass dude to go to instagram don't go to facebook because facebook you're going to see doodles <laughs> fucking dogs fucking doodles but the the facebook algorithm for the advertising for pets is 
money. It is so good. And I don't see the same success on the Instagram side. So I just keep yeah. all the police stuff. But you got to let them know. Website, Instagram. Don't go to Facebook, old timer. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Get your flip phone out and scroll through. Oh, there we phone. go. Gotcha. <laughs> I wasn't following you. I thought I was. That's crazy. It's stupid. So, all right. Just followed you guys. Trident underscore canine. Ted, what about you? Uh, Ted underscore Summers is my personal, which is basically work. Uh, Torchlight Pets, Torchlight Canine, Litter Canine, Redine, uh, two separate ones. Um, and then same thing on the Facebook. Uh, and of course, HRD underscore, well, HRD Police Canine on all the platforms. And then uh, the podcast is Working underscore Dog underscore Radio. And same thing on the Facebook. Um, yeah, that's where it is. We need to do another giveaway soon. Uh, we I we've got something going on. Um, we're gonna be giving something away here soon. We gave away a shit ton of dog fish stuff, mm -hmm. and like yeah. March, I don't know. We gave away like six thousand dollars for the stuff. Yeah, several thousand. Yeah, yeah. And we had a problem with some the stamps.com printer thingy. So the last they finally went out. I had somebody talk and nail me down a blue one. They're like, hey, I want to. I, I think he won a tug or something and he was like it hasn't shipped yet i'm like oh shit it hasn't it's not my job but i texted whose it was and she said uh there's something broke anyway we'll get it to now but anyway we're gonna do some more, more we're gonna do some more stuff so yeah um yeah this has been chris and marty it's been awesome i feel like i could do another episode just on some of the admin shit so there's a lot of stuff don't have me on because i just now i'm all pissed <laughs> eric's gonna go I'm all fired up man. get drunk and drive his boat around so yeah. um <laughs> so uh yeah guys this has been an awesome episode um you know I, I think in the future we could probably do another episode on some very specific topics um we'd have to do a little more prep for that one but i i would like to have you guys back on and do another episode of just some specific stuff but yeah it's been good thanks for coming on thank you guys yeah it's been honored. appreciate it uh i'll take a hat for sure by the yeah. way Absolutely. don't worry i'll remind you so yeah. <laughs> thanks guys appreciate <laughs> it thanks guys. Right. have a good one guys you too Got your reasons, I got my wants. Still got that feeling, but I'm too old to die young now. Working Dog Radio was graciously granted permission to use this music by Brother Deeg. Be sure to check him out at brotherdeeg.blogspot.com. That's spelled brother D E G E. Blogspot.com. Be sure to buy him a beer at Amazon, iTunes, or CD Baby, or anywhere you stream your music. Working Dog Radio was edited and co-produced by Alicia Brandt.